You're listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online, and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. Welcome. The interview subject that I have coming up for you is very special indeed. It's one of South Africa's premier guitarists. Her name is Robin Ferguson, and she is indeed a talent. The reason for the conversation with Robin is to discuss her brand new EP titled Falling Forward. This is a good one. Let's get to it. Here she is, Robin Ferguson. <laughs> How are you going? How are you? Good. Doing well, doing well. Good Apologies, uh, we've got dodgy internet around here. I'm in a set, I wouldn't call it a rural or regional area, but it's not the city, put it that way. So our internet is, excuse the French, rather shit. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, ours as well, and there's a big storm happening, so I don't think that's helping. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Yeah, no worries. What, what part of South Africa are you in? I'm in Cape Town. Very, very happy to be in Cape Town. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah, yourself? I'm in Gold Coast, northern Gold Coast, so just south of Brisbane. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Are you? Do you follow the Super Rugby at all? you get into the rugby or is it just one of those things that's on TV and you just ignore it? Uh, I'm not too big into sports, unfortunately, um, or fortunately, depending on your viewpoint. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do a lot of rugby riding, yeah. Yeah, the rugby is quite good, quite big here as well with the, our Afrikaans community. It's quite a like South African thing to be into the rugby. It's like I suppose football or such like overseas, yeah, mm-hmm. with uh, in the states and such. I think ruggers, as they call it, was quite a rad one. <laughs> ruggers, yeah. Well, you you probably know there's a there's I don't know how many South Africans there are in Australia these days, but there's hundreds of thousands of them at least. And especially we've had them as we've had Saffers as neighbours and stuff too. And uh, they've only come over recently in sort of the last five years or so. We sort of got a friendly rivalry going on. It's always nice whenever the Test matches are played. Yeah, <laughs> I know there's uh, there's so many South Africans in Australia. It's kind of crazy. I think a lot of my friends are there. Um, I think it's because it's very similar climate and very similar people, perhaps. I'm not sure. Uh, uh, but, yeah, <laughs> rugby oh, is a thing, eh? Yeah, it's, vir- it's, it's vir- I think in a lot of ways it's virtually the same, you know. Um, I know the Kiwis like to go on about how, how unique and how different they are and stuff, but they're not. They're they're. You know, they're the most ordinary and plain of the, the three of us, to be honest with you. Um, but there's, there's far more of them here than there are South Africans. Sometimes I think we're a bloody New Zealand colony with the amount of Kiwis that move over here. Um, you know, it's you go to a, a rugby match and there's more Kiwi fans there than Australian fans. It's ridiculous. But what it is, we, we seem to be very attractive. And I get it. You know, there's not uh, there's the economic opportunity for the Kiwis. And if you don't mind me saying, there's uh, not the level of violence that you probably have to potentially deal with over there in South Africa and you know and talking to our neighbours here about it you know I think I almost think they had PTSD um, I think they were from somewhere near Pretoria you know and I don't think that they didn't tell me about what what actually happened to them or anything like that but I just think it's the vibe of driving around and what can potentially happen if you stumble into the wrong neighbourhood. Yeah I mean that's that's also one of the reasons I moved to Cape Town so I, I've spent most of my life up in Johannesburg, Pretoria, that sort of Olinda. area. Yeah. yeah so I've spent a lot of time there and then I moved down to Cape Town. It's it's a far better lifestyle here. This is probably in my opinion the most beautiful city um, in, in South Africa mm. and it's the, the crime and so much is it's far less but i think no matter where you are in the world if you're in a dodgy place then like it's it's gonna be dodgy <laughs> you know you need to know where not to go so but there's beautiful parts of the country even up that side 
I do find here it's a little more chilled. <laughs> I get you. Well, you're near the beach there, aren't you? You've, it's very similar to parts of Australia, like Adelaide, I think, isn't it? Cape Town? Uh, I believe so. I'm, I'm very fortunate. I am watching the ocean as we speak. Oh, so, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. That's very perfect. Happy. Yeah. yeah. Well, the bit that I can see of it is <laughs> the rain. <laughs> First question I got for you though is, you know, music and especially the sort of guitar playing that, that you're doing, which is, which is of exceptional quality by the way, I'm extremely impressed being a guitarist and a bass player myself, but you. you're about the last country that I expect someone with your talent to come from. Um, you know, there's a lot of forces that act against you, you know what I'm saying, economic, social, this sort of thing, you know, you're usually busy, people are busy focusing on other things, but here you are, this rare gem shining brightly out of South Africa, so what happened? Um, <laughs> I think I just found a guitar one day and loved it so much I couldn't live without it. So I think, yeah, it's a, it's, it is interesting coming from South Africa, but I keep telling everybody in the country and like all my friends, all my musician friends and the people that I perform with and just in the, in the scene in general that nothing is impossible. I mean, okay, Freddie Mercury, super uber famous, came from Zanzibar, <laughs> a yeah. tiny little place off the coast of Africa, mm-hmm. surely being in South Africa, we can do something as great, if not greater. I don't know. That's a big thing to say. But you can literally do anything that you put your mind to. So I think it's a it's a timing thing. Um, and then just, yeah, the right time in the right place. Um, but, yeah, I think it's fantastic talent. And I, I'm stoked that people like yourself are talking to me and and to my friends and hopefully we can put South Africa on the map and say like we have amazing musicians come check it out you know so yeah, yeah. I do follow a lot of you know those those Facebook pages their blogs effectively like Africa metal and all of this sort of stuff and I, the, to be honest <laughs> the, the quality varies I've got to say you are literally the first world-class musician I've heard coming out of Africa doing this sort of music playing heavy metal and I'm sure there are others and the like but surely you must be aware of that that and I'm sure there are friends around you that have got your talent but none of them have got the um have have managed to attract attention from outside of South Africa at the moment. So like you're saying, I can sense that. You sort of feel as though you're part of a circle, a leadership circle, I suppose, don't you? And part of your job is to inspire fellow musicians around you to to, rec- to realise, like with the Freddie Mercury story you just mentioned, that, yeah, you can do it. It doesn't always have to be just fighting for survival effectively. Um, you know, you can in day, engage in the arts and creativity. It's not this thing you can just ignore. Mm. Firstly, thank you. Big compliments uh, and very kind words. I really appreciate that. Um, I think a lot of musicians in South Africa get to a certain level where they're they're not like nobodies, but they're a little bit well known. They're not super well known, but like they've got a bit of a, um, for lack of a word, a status as such, or, you know, like Mm -hmm. they are considered the top guys. And a lot of people get complacent and they're happy with just this. it's a it's a big problem I have, and because I'm not I'm not happy with just this. <laughs> like mm. I'm happy, but I want so much more, and I think there's so much more. I've always said I'm not satisfied with anything ordinary. I don't want an ordinary life. I'm not happy with just playing guitar in my bedroom. Like it's I want to do more. I want to see people. I want to meet people. I want to travel. I want to play on the stages of the world. Is something I've been saying since the day I picked up a guitar. So I think a lot of people um, 
also don't realize the effort and the energy that it takes. I, I've been doing this for a long time, and and only now uh, are people in Australia <laughs> talking with me. You know what I mean? Sure. And yeah. sometimes that may be a bit strange, but it takes a lot of hard work, and I, I don't know if everybody's got the the chutzpah, you know, the the, yeah, the work ethic that you've got. Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying because look, this. You know, Falling Forward, that's the name of your new EP. And and look, because I host a podcast series, I like to give people some musical references to understand better what your music sounds like, you know. And for, for those uninitiated, to me, you're like Jason Becker meets Joe Satriani set against a thoroughly modern heavy metal soundtrack, okay? And one of, the, one of the great things that I've heard with your music, being a lifelong fan of metal, is that you have an extraordinary ability to craft extremely musical, sorry, God, go ahead and interrupt that. That's my alarm saying that our, our chat was about to start, never mind. But um, look, you do, you have this extraordinary ability to craft very musical shred guitar solos. Um, and you aren't too different by that measure when I compare you to my favourite all-time guitarist, who was Ralph Santola from Deicide, Death, Iced Earth. And I, I knew Ralph not well, but pretty well. I was talking about bringing him out to Australia to do some clinics and stuff, but... You know, after I've said all of that, and I think I've struck a bit of a chord there with you, but but who inspires you? Sure, I I'm quite speechless. Um, <laughs> I think when it comes to music, I, I think about things very differently, and I go about it differently. Uh, you have to be different, I suppose. Like I've never been normal. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Mm. <laughs> so perhaps. Perhaps for me, this is normal. Um, I, I very much like to marry the two worlds, the contra contrasting worlds of super shred and, and, and melody. I think it's an interesting thing. And mm. I like to, to mix it up. So you'll have your, your melody on a, a different instrument, perhaps, you know, uh, maybe on the bass while the guitar is just sticking to rhythm. or so, You know, like I like to add layers and depth. And I think that comes from listening to a, a, a huge variety of music and, and musicians mm. i've been asked so many times over the last few weeks as to like who exactly is my influence like pick a guitarist and say i can't i, can't, I really can't it's a terrible question <laughs> because there are so many things um mm. i could look out the window and be inspired and see something a color or <clears throat> how something moves and go like whoa that's an interesting tempo like and then suddenly a melody is in my head and I think okay well let's let's build on that let's mm. move but there's definitely I mean there's there's always the classics the the great guys Steve Vai Satriani Malmsteen all of those kind of peeps um, and then obviously your your more modern players um, the guys from Polyphia Pliny um, all of that all of those kind of things just how they create their music I, I think also a big one is is going to have to be like Andromeda, Arch Echo, Devin Townsend, sure. guy's just crazy. So, you know, like yeah. those type of people. And then marrying it with listening to other genres outside of metal and like listening to classical music. I've got a big love for Beethoven of all things. Um, nice. Perhaps that's... I can hear that. No, I can hear that understanding of the technical side of music. Is that is that true too for you, that you, you get the modes and the scales and all of that sort of stuff or are you more of an intuitive player? So although I've been playing for really long and have had serious lessons uh, from probably one of South Africa's 
top session guitarists. His name is Nathan Smith. He was my teacher for about 10 years and he's he's done a lot of TV work and radio work and he's just he's like a, a gun for hire really. He's really fantastic. Mm. Um, but despite that I wouldn't say that I have a great theory knowledge. Uh, in fact I know very little theory and I'm terrible at it. I failed all my music exams when it came to theory and <laughs> and, and, and sight reading and all of that. Um, I used to half <laughs> I used to half cheat my my sound uh, my sight reading exams by um, <laughs> listening to the previous uh, the people before me and like putting my ear <laughs> to the door and hearing what they had to play because we had the same sight reading. So I'd kind of like figure out and my friend at the time was also in a band and she was playing violin. We were in the band together so and she, she could read music phenomenally well. So she'd make sure that she played that part very loud so I could hear it through the door. But okay. in terms of technical knowledge and theory knowledge, uh, technical knowledge, yes, gear, I can talk all day back to, forth, back to front. But when it comes to chords and modes and scales and all of that, I, I, I go with what's here. Yeah, fair enough. Look, I'm the same way too. Don't worry. I hated theory. Uh, I couldn't stand it. Actually, it was it was the same as mathematics to me. And I got by in mathematics, but I had to work hard at it. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't a natural skill. But when it came to just picking it up, like what you're saying, I'm nowhere near your ability, by the way. But yeah, it was like, well, eventually you sort of stumbled. I stumbled through and I picked it up, and I was like, okay, great. I just knew I had to dedicate the time to it to figure things out. Mm -hmm. And eventually things start to make sense, even if you can't label them in that technical sense. You begin to sort yeah. of think of them in the way that makes sense to you. So, look, and, and the next point I'll make is that, look, the, the EP is, it's hard for EPs to do this, but you've made, you've made it happen. It does take you on a journey, okay? EPs are usually just boom, they're there. But this one does take you on a journey because I go for walks, you see, and I listen to things and I tend to sort of evaluate the quality of that side of things based on uh, my walks that I go on. If I feel like as though I'm not really paying attention to my surroundings, I'm engrossed in the music. That happened with um, your EP here. So there's the Smooth Tones of Carbon and there's a few other ones there, but I think Carbon uh, w would marginally be my favourite cut at the moment. Um, to the sh to the shred fest of the opening uh, cut, uh, Gravity, which I think is your, you know, that's your, your your signature right there. I can I can hear just about everything you're trying to achieve in that cut there. But look, given it is an instrumental EP, still, did you address any concepts or themes? You know, are you reaching for the outer reaches of the galaxy like Trey from Morbid Angel and pulling various gases in to sort of form <laughs> little planets around you as you're playing? Um, y yes, it's definitely a journey. So uh, last year I fell quite ill and, and that whole experience, I found myself straddling the line of life and death and moving in of between conscious and unconscious Shit, states really? in, in hospital with medication and the recovery of everything. So it, it put me into a very different, um, mindset as such and the the things I felt and experienced and saw during that state and and following that I had a lot of paralysis I still have a little bit of like loss of feeling and so on in my left side so just that whole ordeal of being in what I thought was a really awesome time of my life I was playing in several bands I was doing so much session work I was in theaters and touring and just relocated and started a new job and it's all cool and then bam one day literally just collapsed uh, on my floor and like woke up in hospital type of thing so 
I'm very grateful for that journey because it's it's taught me a lot and it's created this album. So this album follows the journey of the highs and the lows, of the, the immense frustration that I felt and why can't I play this because I can't feel my hand and I, ah, this is annoying to, wow, I'm like, this is helping me and this is therapeutic and I I'm actually feel like I'm making progress. So the mm -hmm. album in a larger thing ties with the the experiences I had in that conscious unconscious state um, to face the inner demons and to face the inner saboteurs and to 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 get over that. So the whole album, what I really want to express and and what I hope people uh, can relate to is, is is the message of overcoming and that music can really do anything and everything. Um, it can take you through the darkest times of your life and, and, and help you to see the positive and to see the future, to see forward. And, and the whole album is to fall forward into your purpose because we are all here for a reason. I started questioning myself and going like, you know, my biggest passion and dream in my entire life is playing guitar and being on stage. And now I may not ever be able to do that again. Thankfully, I am. But at the time, I, I was having a crisis. <laughs> and I didn't know what to do with myself. Um, but came to the point of, am I going to sit here and sulk and not go anywhere and do anything? Or am I going to say, okay, this is an opportunity for me to learn and for me to grow. And in actual fact, it is probably the best thing that's ever happened to me, having to relearn to play guitar, having to relearn a whole bunch of things, having to deal with things that I was worried about, um, fear of failure and fear, fear of people and all kinds of stuff. So the album in itself is just a real roller coaster of that whole year of 2019 leading into 2020 and I think I would love for it to mean something to an individually to an individual individually so where where you need it to touch you that it touches and that it helps you through whatever you're going through and through the listeners and everybody else the fans the friends family everybody and just to go no matter what you can you can this illness sounds pretty bloody serious, though. If you were, you know, going between consciousness and subconsciousness, what can you share? What happened? Um, yeah, without going into too much detail, because uh, it's it's I'm I'm better now. Um, yep. Basically, yep. collapsed with a degenerative neurotransmitter disease. So what that means, in short, is my brain doesn't always like to communicate with the rest of my body. So. Um, it basically had blue screen of death like you get on your computer and uh, it just didn't want to talk. Um, so I had a lot of paralysis. Um, so when I collapsed, I fell quite weirdly and hurt a lot of um, nerves and such like that. So and then the recovery process was getting the brain to talk with your body and your brain kind of works opposite ways. So if it's the side of your brain yeah. that's in that's affected, then it will affect the opposite side of your body, which is kind of what happened. So it was trying to form the connection between mind, brain, and body, physical. So yeah, it is an interesting thing, but we're back. We're back now. 
mostly. Well, no, <laughs> no wonder falling forward so profound then. If you've gone to a place few few people sort of have been and therefore come back from, no wonder it's got this... Uh, yeah, there, there's something else about your music that I can't quite put my finger on yet. I, it, it, you've got to live with, I've got to live with it for even a couple of years. Kind of like I've spoken to Trey from Morbid Angel's mum about his guitar playing. Um, and uh, he has Asperger's, it turns out, yeah. which not a lot of people knew, but his mum shared it with me and was comfortable with me sharing that with the broader metal community that way. But Trey actually attributes that to his hyper-focus. So he has hyper-focus and he's actually using that as like his super super skill, if you like. That's his, you know how like Superman can fly and hold up yeah. the planet and all the rest of it? Trey has this 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 pretty much peerless ability you know trey from morbid angel obviously the guitar player you know to do what he does but yours has got something yours is touched by something similar and i can't quite put my finger on it yet but i'll i'll get there eventually there's just a few guitarists that just seem to have this ethereal quality to it and it's it's something that it might not even be in you it's something that you know the old you channel from up here somewhere it's like lightning and it flows through you and it goes out onto the fretboard and in a lot of ways Van Halen's spoken about this a lot too. I don't know whether you've read a lot of interviews with Van Halen, but he says, I've got no idea where this music comes from. I just I just play and it's just there. It must be it must be similar for you too though. Yeah, I think guitar is probably the most complicated, difficult instrument ever. Like it's it's a crazy thing. But somehow when I pick it up and I take a deep breath, it all just flows and it works somehow um there's been a huge amount of frustration obviously in learning and relearning and all of that and all the practice and the hours mm. but there's something there's something that resonates with me i think from the moment i saw that guy busking on the corner and going oh what is that i need that i need that in my life to to right now if it was not for music i would probably be dead i would have given up and thrown in the towel of life and no longer be on this plane and be somewhere else. And I know in my being that I am meant to play guitar. So my whole life, since the moment I picked one up, has been revolving around that. And perhaps, I mean, as you as you go through life, sometimes your focus gets skewed a little bit or, you know, like you have a different perspective or you, you stray off the path slightly in terms of like where you really, like you might get caught up with wrong people or the right, like wrong place or whatever, sure. but yeah. you have a purpose. Everybody has something. And if you can figure out what that something is, and I don't have the answers to how to figure it out, but if you do figure it out, or there's something that whispers to you at night and sits here in the back of your mind and that bugs you tremendously, that thing, that thing that's sitting in the back of your mind, that is what you're supposed to do. And if you can alter your world to, to bring that into focus, it happens. And I haven't quite figured all of that out yet, but I'm hoping that this is the start of the journey along that line. When you figure yeah. it out, make sure you look me up because I'm 42 and I've been on that journey for most of my adult life. It's a hell of a thing, you know. It's uh, yeah, you know that that it's not even a quest for meaning; it's a quest for existence. It's beyond the quest for meaning. It's it's like why the hell am I here? It's a question that I basically wake up every morning and ask myself, like, because life confounds me. The fact that we're even here on Earth doing what we do, given this sentient consciousness that we've got, and most people, of course, waste it. 
you know, whether it's, you know, and I'm not even talking about the drug takers and the alcoholics. I'm talking about the assholes who work in finance who don't give a shit about the family that they're ripping off when they lend them money to buy a house that's not worth the value that they've signed on the dotted line for. That's actually what I'm talking about, you know, when I talk about that stuff. It's vacuous existences, chasing BMWs and Bentleys, and I like those cars too, but the pursuit of all of this stuff leads to a vacuous existence devoid of creativity, devoid of creativity, and... um you know, you're, you're a marvellous example, then, of perseverance and uh, succeeding against the odds, if you like. So, you know, like, when, when, you, when you're recreating this on stage, how do you do it then? Because there is a lot going on, and I assume you've got a band around you, or do you, can you tell me how you make everything work together cohesively on stage? Yeah, so on stage, it's a bit of an interesting one. I have had session players perform with me before, and I've also played with backtracks uh, as a one man. It's an interesting dynamic. I've specifically tried to write my songs or have specifically written my songs that I can recreate them in any situation because I hate it when it's just like a studio thing and you're a shred in your bedroom and then you get to stage and you can't do it. Like that to me is like, it's not right. Uh, you need to be able to express it um, and, and, and live it. So. In terms of live playing, it has been a bit of a challenge because unfortunately there aren't too many um, available um, good musicians in, in South Africa that can sure. like jump onto a project and can work. They, they are fantastic musicians, but they're all so fully booked because everybody wants them because there are a few, you know. Yep. Um, uh, like particular great sounding ones. So often I land up performing as a solo artist and 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 going about it as that. Sure. Um, I'm fortunate that the way the songs have been written and the way I recorded them and the way Clinton what's helped me mix and master them, he's also helped mix and master my my backing tracks so that it can perform it as if there's a whole band and it, it sounds like that as well. And I've always tried to have a very energetic stage performance. Anybody who's ever seen me knows that I don't really stand still for much longer than five seconds. And I run around and I just have so much fun. So all in all, um, a lot of people have asked, is, is it weird if you perform without a band? I said, actually, it's, it's the same because I'm in my own world, regardless of whether there's other musicians around me or not. I'm on my own planet. <laughs> so... It doesn't really matter, but hopefully visually it's a it's a amazing show still. So sure. it's it's more about the music and where it takes you, where it leads you. You know. Hmm. Have you thought about moving here, moving to Melbourne, maybe? Um, moving to Australia, uh, that has come up many times. I think so many South Africans are moving over um, to Australia. It's and uh, I, I hear of people almost every day that are are thinking of moving. Um, honestly. Yes and no. I greatly love my life in South Africa, but I also hate my life in South Africa. I think I, I, I want to live and be everywhere. I, I, I want to I come hang out on that awesome couch that you've got there behind you and, and have awesome. a cup of tea. <laughs> it looks yes. awesome. It does look really comfy. <laughs> the the, um, the uh, foot thing comes out. My kid, I've got two daughters, you see. That's my daughter's... I don't know if you can see my daughter's drum kit there behind me. But that's it there. But they... Um, 
yeah, they, they play around on it and stuff, but I read on it, so I'm a chronic reader. You know, when most people are playing on their phones, I use Kindle e-reader on my phone, and I've always got a book going. I'm not surfing the net and looking at rubbish on Facebook. I just tend to sort of get engrossed in a book, but that's the chair I do a lot of it in right there. But but let, but let me tell you, I was um, the reason I mentioned Melbourne is because they're, the, the musicians that I think you'd be after are there. Because just about all like you know semi-pro musicians who are looking to take it to the next level uh, moved to Melbourne, even from here uh, in Brisbane, which yeah. we've got a thriving music scene here, but it's it's not what it is down in Melbourne. It's fair to say. And uh, look, there's just the built-in community down there, if you like. And uh, you know, it's just it, look food for thought for you, I think, because um, you know you're young, you've got it all ahead of you, and and South Africa provides you know a lot of challenges to anybody, let alone a, an artist such as yourself. So just keep it in the back pocket, and when you if if times ever time ever comes, I'm sure you'll be welcome with open arms. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I, I I love Cape Town. It's my home. I think I always like gravitate back here. But really, truly, and I've said this so many times, it's it's written all over wherever I can think. And it's something that I've said over and over and over. I want to play on the stages of the world. I want to travel and I want to meet people. And I'm not necessarily stuck in South Africa. I don't want people to think like, oh, you're in South Africa and that's yeah, all sure. you ever place like i am super excited to to maybe live in 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 australia maybe live in japan or timbuktu or you know wherever wherever the music is and wherever um wherever this journey takes me i'm just so excited if i have a guitar in my hand and a book and a cup of tea i'm also i'm golden i'm golden sound like (laughs) me yeah that's awesome Yeah, yeah. Look, you, you might. I think you've hinted at the answer to this question, but I'll ask it anyway. Um, I know I, I, it's great that you've got this ambition and you want to take it, and you've actually got the skills and the ability to bring your music to the world. But what what do you think the next? It's, it might be impossible to say, but what do you think the next ten years looks like? Even if you've got a plan for it, what do you think that looks like? I think the next ten years is going to be a surprise, as the previous ten years has been quite a surprise. But the next ten years. For me personally, I'm not I like I want to I, I want to get out and do things and see and I want to not only um, uh, make my own way if that makes sense, sure. but yeah. help as many other musicians as I can. I think that's also why I've I've got a love for essays because I see the potential here and I don't want to be like many South Africans who ditch out and disappear from South yeah. Africa, never return, and you hear about them overseas somewhere in a different country doing fantastic. I, I want people to know, and I want to be proud of the fact that I'm from South Africa. Like, that's that's a great thing. But the next 10 years, a lot of music, a lot of touring, I hope, provided this pandemic's passed and it's safe. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think a lot of collaboration. I'm so keen to learn. Uh, learning is just for me the biggest thing. I've, I've had a fantastic two years of personal growth and uh, learning <laughs> to <laughs> adapt to situations and change. And I just want more of that. Um, I'm just so stoked to to get in contact with people and, and just exchange ideas. So I think the next 10 years is going to be a lot of back and forth ideas a lot of new and a lot of different and a lot of pushing work hard play hard that i have like i write that everywhere work oh, hard play hard yeah gotcha it's like this you know 
and yeah. dream bigger. Like my, I always say, if your dreams don't absolutely terrify you, like petrify you, <laughs> they're not big enough. So hmm. currently what I have in my head, I can't put into words, but it's terrifying. And I know that it's not big enough. So yeah. bigger. I've just had a look. Occasionally this happens. It doesn't happen very often. I do tarot card readings for people. Okay, hmm. I get this incredible image of you working in a circus, like a Cirque du Soleil sort of setup. Has that ever, has that opportunity ever sort of crossed your, been been available to you, or have you thought about going in that direction? Um, so I, I've got a great love for the arts. I am an artist as well. I, I sculpt and I draw, and I do weird, different things to break the mold because I hmm. believe there isn't a and it's it's great that you said that. I <laughs> I've gotten in contact over the last couple of years with some wonderful people, and believe it or not, I ride a unicycle, not oh, very we, well. There you and, go. Yeah. And um, there's a yeah. wonderful group of of, uh, of uh, unicyclists and people who do a lot of flow arts and such that I am part of. Unfortunately, with my health things, I can't really cycle much anymore, but I'm still involved with jugglers and all kinds of stuff. It fascinates me. So absolutely, I'm totally down for that. I've always been a bit dramatic, so I think it's it just is another way to convey it. If I can take yeah, exactly. my art, yeah. uh, my physical art, my music, and mix it with other people's, for sure, absolutely, that's definitely something I've thought about. Mm. Hey, just talking about your endorsement there, you've got the Ibanez uh, flags and posters there behind you though, so that's that's a big deal, getting endorsed by them. I mean, the last person I spoke to that was endorsed by Ibanez, I think, was Stefan Forte from Adagio, who's doing the solo thing in France these days. But um, how does it work with those guys? Do you, do you just pick your favourite guitars that you want to you want to shred with and they hand them to you? Is it as simple as that? I wish. Um, not quite. So... <laughs> The, the endorsement is with the, the local Ebenezer team, so Ebenezer yeah. South Africa. They've been absolutely fantastic. I've had contact with, with the Japanese departments as well, and they're amazing, amazing people. Um, it, it is an interesting uh, way, or interesting journey to the point that, uh, where we are at now, where I'm an endorsee. Um, but it's... Um, it's just a great relationship. So anybody who's looking for any kind of an endorsement, the worst thing ever and that grates me is to go, oh, uh, can you give me an endorsement? I want a free guitar. It's not about that <laughs> at all. Like I'm endorsed because I love this brand and it's a relationship and I believe in the product. I believe in the people and they believe in me. Um, so Ebenezer has been fantastic. I have received a few instruments from them, um, uh, two iron labels and an Axion label. I perhaps, I suppose, if I had to ask, or if, you know, like there are ways and means to get other pieces of equipment, um, and they've been very supportive. But for me, it's about having an awesome instrument that I can connect with and that feels good in my hands. It could be something super entry level or something high end it doesn't that's not necessarily about that it's about mm. if it speaks to you and all three of these that i have really speak to me um, wonderfully and yeah it's it's it's, it's such a cool relationship mm. that you know we go back and forth often with uh, ideas and they they've just been rad people yeah mm. what's that rig behind mm. you there obviously that's your uh, amplifier and your tuner and everything else is that a kemper you've got there yeah, um, I don't know if I can. Nice, do yeah, that. looks yeah. good. Yep. 
Yeah, so this is, yeah. this is, um, oh, let me just move that up there. This is part of my my rig that I use for recording as well as for for um, live. I try yeah. to make things as compact as, as possible. So I've got, uh, it's not complete at the moment. I've taken some stuff out and doing some maintenance and cleaning and you know how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely do, yeah. Yeah, from the top I've got my in-ears, which is a Sennheiser G4 system. Yep. which I use for my ears, which is click and, and my own guitar and such. Mm. And then here is my guitar wireless, so they, they kind of sit together. Okay. Um, power conditioner, just because South Africa has a thing called load shedding, where they cut the power for, like, they, they cut the electricity for, like, two hours at a time randomly. And our power is just dodgy as is, yeah. so sure. you don't want your equipment getting a power surge. So that's just for safety. Um, yeah. The Kemper is a power power, power rack. Um, I absolutely love it. And then I've got a Focusrite 18i20 at the bottom, which is what I use for, for running my tracks live. It's also, um, if I've got a, another guitarist with me, we'll run through a similar rig and then I can, I pre-mix everything. So I, I have the tracks in my ears. I'm in control of everything. I'm a bit of a control freak when it comes yeah. to live. I need to know what's happening and playing. So for the engineer, it's fairly simple um, setup. They they have the tracks and, and different. Uh, it runs through my laptop and it goes into their system, so they know exactly what's where. Everything's labeled. Mm. Everything's easy. I'm in control of my own ears. I know how much volume and what's is all premixed. So that's that's yeah. cool. And then obviously for studio, I just change my um, uh, setup on my laptop to yeah. be for recording. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not. Pro it's not. Like a yeah, set up on your laptop, or what do you use to record everything and and replay the tracks? Yeah, uh, and for for live, I, I mix it up a little bit. It depends. I'm I'm in the process of refining that, just because I've had one or two situations which I prefer to have in a different way. <laughs> so I'm I'm, sure. I'm altering the way I do things live, but studio wise, I'm I'm running through Logic. Um, just because I find it really easy to use and yep. it's fairly Great. simple. Yeah. Plug and play, don't need to like fuss. But in the past, I've done a lot of, uh, I've got a bit of a sound engineering background, so I've, I've used a lot of Pro Tools and Cubase as well. But currently, um, Logic, simple, easy. And because if I'm on tour, this is the box. And if I feel like I've got an idea, I can just haul this into like a room somewhere, <laughs> get out my laptop and, and record. <laughs> Yeah. So sometimes it's happened where I've been in a rehearsal and I'm like, ah, wait, <laughs> wait. Yes. Okay, let's record this quickly. So yeah. I, I've tried to make it mobile, you know. So, like, if you phone me and you say, hey, Robs, come over, we've got a gig tonight. I'll probably miss the gig because of the flights and, and all of that. But <laughs> I will be there because I just need to close that, grab that guitar over there and walk out <laughs> and go. Yeah. Yeah, hey, what so. what what music do you like at the moment? Are you a fan of the deathcore bands like Rings of Saturn and Lucas Mans playing? So, is there any of these players that of your caliber that you enjoy listening to? Um, so, even though a lot of people know me for like the brutal death metal, black metal, like hectic side with my the vocal kind of stuff that I do and what I play in some bands, mm -hmm. I 
do listen to a lot of that, but I actually listen to a lot more melodic music. Um, and of late, uh, and that's obvious in, 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 in my music, uh, I listen to a lot more Prague, Gent, that kind of stuff. So influences, I would say, ranging anything from Periphery Tesseract, Devon Townsend, all the way uh, to that side of life, Leprous, um, the contortionist, all of that kind of stuff. So when it comes to like old school extreme stuff, um, not on my playlist as often as, as it has been in the past. Um, but I, I change things up. If you if you if one day when you have a lot of time, I'll I'll show you some of the the my Sweet. daily playlists that I listen to, and they they sometimes they're quite erratic, and they vary. But as of today, that's what I was listening to this morning. So yeah. What I, what I like about the bands that you just mentioned, there are spoken to all of those guys or members of those bands, you know, and including Haken as well. Um, they're all good blokes. You know what I'm saying? Like they're all easy guys to talk to. They're in their late twenties or thereabouts, and there's none of that. There's no rock star vibe, put it that way, or anything like that. So it's it's very. It's, you can connect with the music on a couple of levels. Yes, you can connect with it musically, but there's no Bon Joviisms going on. Or dare I yeah. say it, Nirvana is because I, you know, the whole heroin thing and Nirvana and stuff never interested me. It was always about the music, but there's none of that bullshit that none of that carry on as I call it. I call it the carry on, you know, with those guys there. Yeah. So you could, you, I think you're getting you're getting two influences. You know, they're similar to yourself and that they're driven and they want their music to be out there. But and they've got great music, but they're not dickheads either. <laughs> That's the yeah. other thing. I mean, fortunate, um, some of those guys that I've mentioned have actually performed in South Africa and I've been on the same bill with them. Uh, and, Sweet. And well, you know them. But yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, like, I, I mean, chatting with, with some of the blokes in Misha when they were here, periphery, Misha Montreux, sure. when he was around, just chatting with him, he's a really down-to-earth dude and we're talking about guitars and gear and, you know, like swapping facts and, <laughs> like, that kind of stuff is really rad. Um one of my previous jobs, uh, day jobs, has been as like a guitar techie and like a crew person, hauling <laughs> stage gear and helping guys and sound engineering in the background. So I've also yeah. met a lot of bigger artists um, on the side. And it's, as you say, like there's a new wave coming, I, I think, or that's already here. And maybe that is, we're only seeing yeah. it become um, significant now. But, um, or seeing it rise up now. But yeah, like I think the, 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 the age of like the rock star as such is over, but there's um, a more down to earth natural approach to things. I think people are realizing you can't be somebody else. You can't be like that person. You can't try to have your image be like this. Just be yourself because yeah. everyone else is already and like why why try so hard to fit into something when you're already something just be you <laughs> and I think a lot of those guys have found that groove where they're comfortable in themselves um, yeah. and push themselves to grow yeah uh, I'd like to fall that way too yeah I, I think being my age being 42 I was grew up in an era when the record companies ruled the roost and managers ruled the roost and with the the internet's been the big game changer people said it was nirvana it wasn't nirvana that was sort of lasted a little bit but then it went to electronica and rock was dead and all that bullshit that the uh you know the mainstream press has got no idea about the sort of music that you and I love 
Yeah, they've got no idea about it, so they just invent all of these labels. But I think with the internet, it's been a grassroots movement again. It's basically like anybody who's everybody. I've spoken, there's a fellow down the road from me, or when I say down the road, it's 200 kilometers away, you know. But he uh, he's, a, he's a vocalist and he works with a guitarist in Poland. You know, mm. and this is the power of the internet these days. So people are realizing that, like, all of that marketing sheen that came with acting like a rock star. John Bon Jovi's probably a great guy. I don't know. I've never met him. I'm just using him as the example of, you know, what I'm, what I'm trying to say. But, uh, but I think the democratization of information and the way that we can communicate with each other has basically made us all very much on the same level, I think. And you're, and you're really seeing that with people that are sort of in their early 20s up to 30 or thereabouts that have really, that have grown up with the internet. They haven't grown up with newspapers or news coming from the TV. They've grown up with choosing what they want to get into and how they want to get into it. And I think knowing that, it's kind of like we're all just getting into what we, what do we want to get into. There's no pretense anymore. But we, and certainly there was yeah. massive pretense even with local bands. When I was a kid growing up in bands, it was very cliquey. And I think it's it's less cliquey now, far less cliquey now. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the click in South Africa is a thing. And there's there's been perhaps a bit of a divide between the people up north and the people down south, so like in terms of the, the click. You, you know, sure. if, you, yeah. if you're a Cape Town musician or if you're a Joburg musician, like there seems to be these little circles. And I I mean, a lot of people said to me, oh, you, but you're, like, you're moving to Cape Town. Like, there's a whole click. How are you going to make music? I said to them, like, are you, are you stupid? Like, <laughs> it's music. Who gives a damn if it's a click or not a click or, a, or the, well, unless it's a click track? But like, it, if I'm doing music to fit in or to be some thing other than me, then I should not be doing this. So I think I said like the age of the internet has has been a hectic thing, but it's been a wonderful time because we can connect i mean i'm talking i'm talking to you and uh, um and that's just fantastic it's made the world a lot closer and i think following on what we were saying before with um you know being from south africa and like how strange that is and you know again i, I say to so many people I, I was chatting to somebody this morning one of my friends who's feeling a bit discouraged at this music and i said to him did Stop being discouraged. Yeah, but I'm from South Africa and I this and that. I'm like, you're making excuses. The world is this small. And right now, in particular with this pandemic, everybody is forced to be in front of their computer or in their home. So do something. Now you can try. And if it fails dramatically, guess what? I don't think many people will notice or it might sound harsh, but care because we're exactly. all trying no, music. you're right. Yeah. Things. So if you want to run outside and, okay, don't run outside, it's the pandemic. Bad, bad, bad choice of words. <laughs> if you want to change your hair to pink and purple and come up with some disco trance album, then d do it. Like, yeah. why not? What's stopping you? So many people are like, oh, but they're not going to enjoy it. And what would people say? Who cares what people say? Like, that's the approach I took with Falling Forward. And I'm just fortunate that people actually like it, you know, and that it's connecting with people. I, I still said if it connects with one person, then that's amazing. It connected with me. It will connect with somebody else. Hmm. And think about the There are so many of us on this planet. If you like something, I can almost guarantee there will be somebody else somewhere that likes it or some version of it. And if you find enough of those people, you can – 
like you'll become huge, I suppose. Just don't give up. So internet has been a wonderful joining, but it's a bit of a divide, I suppose. There's two sides of every coin. Oh God, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about with the divide. Twitter's just a is a sewer. There's no doubt about that. I hate pseudonyms. I've got to say, I don't use a pseudonym online. It's all me. You know, I'm, I'm a bit like Lemmy. If I could compare myself to the great man, it's I did it, whatever it was. It was I said it, whatever I said. You know, like I mean, I don't say anything bad anyway. I don't go on there and troll anybody or argue with anybody. And and guess what? Nobody argues with me either. But hey, I'm not getting. Sure, I've got a political opinion, but do I share it online? Of course I don't. Because guess what? Who cares? <laughs> I'm one voter, I'm one person, and I'm looking after, I'm married, I'm looking after a family. I've got my work cut out for me. The last thing I want to do is get online and carry on with some other idiots about something that they think is important that has no actual relevance to our lives whatsoever. And, yeah, that's that's the yin and the yang to the internet right there. It, it allows people like you and I to connect who have great intentions and we... we, we our mission here is to share your wonderful music and get you a broader audience. And on the other side of it, you got people that are like professional trolls, like professional litigators, this sort of thing, and just look for ways to be constantly offended. It's like their lives are so bloody comfortable. They're so e their, their lives must be so easy that they can spend what seems like tens of hours consecutively. Like, when do they go to sleep? Yeah, post shit posting. Yeah, I... A few years ago, there was this one particular troll that just, he was giving us a lot of grief at the time uh, for, like, just, I also, I said to the band, I was like, guys, do you think this person sleeps ever? Like, they must be so obsessed. And then they were, like, the band was getting quite down about it. And I just turned around and I said, well, at least we have one person who appears to be a mega fan because they know everything that we're doing every moment of every day like they might say they hate us but i think they love us because they're obsessed with us we're a stalker essentially so yeah i mean i think a lot of people put attention to places which is not productive or isn't um conducive to a, a cool a cool life i mean peace, love, and more tolerance. Like, if we can all just accept each other for who we are and realize, like, I have a lot of dodgy things in my life. You you probably do too. We all do. But even the queen farts, apologies to the queen, but even the queen farts, you know. So, like, we're all just people. And if we can make space for each other um, and be respectful towards each other, I think life will be a lot grander. And if we can get past our pride, pride is a big thing. If we can put our pride aside and go, you know what? Hey, you're cool. What can I learn from you? What did you like to learn from me? How can we grow? Like, how can we help? And if more people take on that approach, I think we'll all be better off for it. Being ill and, and, and as I said, like that straddling that line, you, you start to realize what is and what isn't important. I think up until that point, I had, um, sorry, my cat's come to visit. It's all right, I've, I've had to kick the cat out, don't worry. Our cat, otherwise she'd be, jump, be jumping up here somewhere, wondering what's going on. <laughs> yeah, he's going to cause havoc soon, I'm sure. don't know where he's going. Okay. You anyway. You, you mentioned something that was interesting in there, which is that these mega trolls, these, these uber trolls, they are just fans ultimately because... Do you listen to Jamie Jasto? Do you listen to his excellent podcast at all? I have not, unfortunately. I've, I've caught one or two, but not all of, uh, not enough to have a proper opinion. Yeah, sure. Well, look, he's he shared this story that 
he made a point of going through and just having a look at the Instagram profiles of the people that are heaping a whole, putting a whole bunch of shit mm. on him and the band. And he thought, I'll just check out what these guys do. And some of them seem normal, and some of the other ones are just the toxic weirdos who hide behind pseudonyms and you never really see their face, sort of thing. But what he noticed Keep- was the. Yeah, yeah. But he noticed the staggering amount of these guys, because he got familiar with their faces, who would turn up in the merch signing line with, with shit to sign. Yeah. It's. It's very bizarre. I, I had this one particular person who I so I kind of went and checked out a little bit because I was like, who are you? Where did you come from? What? what? <laughs> like, here I am making a nice cup of tea and then next minute you're like attacking me from your keyboard. What is going on? Who are you? And I went and checked out this person and I kid you not, a few days later, this exact guy was in was standing in the queue to come in and I was like aren't you that guy <laughs> like is that did you is talk that, to is him that... <laughs> I did I went up to him and I was like hey man like you don't seem to to enjoy <laughs> what I do that's okay I find it interesting that you're here and he was just like yeah man it's just all talk you know like I don't know you just look like you have an easy time like you have an easy life so I need to just like shake it up a little bit and I realized all that it was is that it's a person who is feeling insecure and is feeling maybe like an outsider or has maybe been bullied. So then that your natural reaction is to is to do the same. And I think the only way to flip it around is to show some kindness. So I said to him, well, high five, dude, and write whatever you feel like afterwards. If you think it was terrible, then fine <laughs> that's your yeah. opinion and it's okay but if you're here i hope that you enjoy it and that you don't spoil it for anybody else but that you maybe have a good time and somewhere um a few days later he was just going on again <laughs> and like i thought okay maybe i didn't like make an impact to this person or maybe it just is what it is um and about two months later, I got a, an inbox from this guy and he was just saying, look, I'm actually really sorry for <laughs> saying all those things. I just like, I actually really like your music, but I'm jealous because <laughs> I was to play a bit of guitar and like my band didn't work out all this. I'm like, I'm glad you think my band's worked out. It hasn't really. I'm just playing music. I just haven't stopped. Like, mm. I wouldn't say anything really works out. <laughs> it's just you roll with the punches and you go, you continue walking. If you get knocked down, you get up and you carry on. Like you don't sit there and feel sorry, you know? So we found a cool way and he's actually now creating wonderful music. So I'm quite stoked to see where he's going um, and okay. how that situation's flipped around. So sometimes it happens, you know? <laughs> but what, a, what an interesting story. Yeah, he sounds like a peculiar fellow, no doubt. But um, you've had an impact on his life where... You know, you're standing within your own truth because you believe that if you show that kindness, okay, it'll have an impact, and it clearly has. It clearly has. So, um, yeah, I can't imagine how, like, I, um, the guys in Corn, you know, like I don't like their music, but I won't shit talk them. I just don't get it. I mean, I've seen them live, and they're great musicians. I get what they do; they do well. There you go. But it's not my thing, and it's not 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 anything I'll ever pursue. But I read some of the comments on YouTube underneath their things and they're basically telling them and their kids to go and die. And it's like, 
why do you say this shit to these people? Like, like they're just human at the end of the day. It's the, it's the, you know, they were one of the last bands that were able to tag onto the whole record company thing and blow up prior to the, prior to the internet. I, I could be wrong, yeah. but I think Korn and Limp Bizkit didn't really survive and there's a lot of tragedy surrounding that band. But Korn too have had their uh, challenges, it's fair to say, with drug abuse and the like, but they seem to have come out of the other side of it. So my view is ultimately, yeah. as, a, as, a, as a lifelong died in the wall fan of hard rock and heavy metal i don't care which band it is i just want it i just want it to be everywhere for anybody because i truly believe i say this a lot that there's there's a hard rock and heavy metal fan for every single person out there whether or not you like hard rock and heavy metal or not it's it's you know like people talk about that with other genres of music like classical but i, I deeply feel that way with this aggressive music because it's it's a cathartic experience and and i think there was some i'll get this wrong but i'll tell you the gist of the, the story it's a quick one um one of the universities in the States, I think it was, did some research on, on the happiest people. And guess what? Heavy metal fans are some of the happiest people around. They use some sort of indexation. I don't know how they do it. But but it was more to the point. It was extreme metal fans, you know, the Cannibal Corpse fans and stuff. And maybe it's just because they're leading more of a carefree life. But there's a lesson in that, isn't there? Which is that they're, they if they can't play, they're just fans of the music and, and they're getting right into it and it's making sense for their lives. Yeah, I mean, I think at one point I started getting, like, really upset by all, like, the crazy things that people were saying um, at, at the time with that particular band and, and stuff. And I, I was taking it all very personally because my music is personal. And I just decided, you know what, actually, it's good that some people don't like it. Because if everyone did like it, then I don't know if it would make the impact that it does. Sure. And mm. I then was speaking with my uh, with some friends and basically, in my opinion, you're always going to get somebody or a group of people who absolutely love what you're doing and you could do anything. You could give you could put your nail clippings in a plastic bag and they'll love it. You know, like you, like you could you could hold a microphone in the toilet and flush and it will be like. Oh, they all that's think so it's good. The, yeah, it's like the best thing. Oh, my word, I love it. <laughs> like there's literally nothing that you can do wrong. And then you're also going to get people who hate it. No matter what you do, you can just never please them. And then people who just don't care. Mm. And the second I realized that, I went, why do I do this? Remember why. And that's another one of the little things I have put here next to my uh, workstation is remember why. Am I doing this for everybody else or am I doing it for me? Am I doing it because I enjoy it? Am I doing it because I think it's cool? Yeah. It's the same reason why I have wacky hair apart from not being able to get to the hairdresser. But <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like just be you and yeah. it's okay if people don't like it. It's it's okay. Like and it's okay if they do love it. And you just hope that the ratio is more people who like it than people who dislike it, mm. and uh, and hope that it works out that way. But if you're doing it, remember why you're doing it. For me, it's I'm doing it because I love it, and I, I'm doing it because it's a form of meditation. It's a form of self growth. It's a form of overcoming for me, and that's why I do it. And if I put my music out and is that for somebody else or more or less? Awesome. 
like even if you hate it i i've sent it to some of my best friends uh, some of my music and things that i've written over the years and they're like dude that's super shit what, what are you thinking <laughs> and then you'll get other people who think it's fantastic a prime example is um I won't say which bands and which songs. Well, I can't say it. there is a song from Adorned Nash that's doing very well and that's yep. very, very popular and that we get asked for all the time and the diehards will know which one that is. But hilariously, that song I wrote before I was in Adorned Nash and I wrote it for the band that I was in or one of the bands that I was in before that. Mm-hmm. And they absolutely hated the song. They thought it was the worst thing ever. And I kind of was like, okay, I guess this is crap. Um, but I kind of like playing the riff, so, you know, me scrap the idea. And I ended up just having that random little guitar part that I would play for soundcheck or, you know, just noodling around because I enjoyed playing the melody. And the first rehearsal that I had with the Dawn Dinesh after, like, actually, like, now I'm in the band, cool. Um, I played this thing and our drummer Mark, he was like, what was that? I'm like, ah, it's just, it's nothing. It's not good. Don't like it. I mean, don't worry. And it turns out now that we actually took it, we elaborated it and now it's doing wonderfully. So it goes to say, if you believe in something, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Like yeah. look, look throughout history, the people who've been the craziest, and who have been the weirdest <laughs> have actually done the most awesome things. Mm. And I think right now this is a fantastic time to be in. Uh, it's locked down with the, or shut down or whatever you want to call it, COVID thing, crazy yeah. madness, virus, mutating, zombie apocalypse, I don't know, you know, like anything can happen right now. <laughs> um, but you have a choice as to going with something that you love and something that you're passionate about and something that you truly believe in hmm. or fitting in and, and squishing yourself into something else or giving up completely. I know so yeah. many people who are just, oh, I'm sitting on my couch the whole day today because like my life sucks. And sometimes it's okay to do that and process those emotions. But for the majority of things, I think it's such a fantastic time that we're in where you can be yourself, you can try things, as I've said. I mean, during quarantine, Isaac Newton, I think it was, I speak under creation, Newton, created calculus. Firstly, he must have been super bored to create calculus. Good Lord. It but, was, you're right, it was. I remember reading something about it just in the last couple of days. It's funny you mention it, yeah. So, I mean, he, he, create, he created calculus during quarantine, uh, but it's okay, you can, like, complain about your life, Netflix and chill. I suppose is also cool, but it just shows that if you really want to, you can. So, and and regardless, I mean, calculus. If I was his friend, I would have told him to go fly because it's <laughs> mad. Like, are you insane? Who's ever going to use this thing? This is mad. But it's yeah, it went yeah. on to change the world, and it it just goes to say, you never know. Like that little weird project of something odd and strange that you do as a hobby on the side at 3 a.m. when the kids are sleeping or whatever, and you may be like, it's cool, but it's, you know, it's never going to be anything. If you keep saying those things, then it will never be anything, and you're never going to go anywhere, and you're never going to do anything. Uh, The very word possible says, I'm possible. So, like, anything that you can think, you can do. 
you want to go to space? Okay, well, aren't they launching something today or tomorrow, depending on whose time zone we're in? Oh, yes. <laughs> yep. You know? Uh, a couple years, uh, a couple decades ago, that was like madness. Now it's like, oh, hey, that's happening today. That's pretty cool. Um, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, I don't know. Maybe maybe your kids will look at uh, look at this and go, what? You guys use the computer? Old school. Yeah, like the world is constantly changing. So to think that you, whatever you're working on is insignificant is just stupid and mm. snap out of it. You are great. You're here for a reason and everybody can do their passion. Just believe. <laughs> Well, sage words and wise advice right there. I mean, yeah, I mean, gosh, you've got a couple of strings to your bow there. Not only are you an excellent musician, but you talk with conviction on these things, you know, so it's not just believable, you trust it, okay, too. So when, so you obviously, you're used to being able, having to talk like this to people around you to sort of bring them out of their funk. I think it's just, my dad is a wonderful, I call him the apocalypse because he's like pops mixed with the apocalypse. Because he just wreaks havoc wherever he goes. He's chaotic. And Matt is the craziest person I know. It's my father. And he's a wonderful source of positivity for me. And he's always going... Like, he's lived a very interesting life. And depending on whose dictionary you've opened uh, to look at the word success, it can mean very different things. But sure. I think my father is very successful in terms of his... Um, life experience he's had a really hectic life and a very intense one but he's always managed to find the gold nugget and i remember as a kid if something terrible would happen and i don't know what what's terrible in a seven-year-old's mind but tragic and mm -hmm. in tears um my lego broke down or something i don't I, whatever a seven-year-old is bugged with at the time but i, I remember distinctly a moment feeling really terrible about something and, and my dad coming to me and just going, well, can you find one good thing that's happened? Like just one, like just one thing, even the most tragic thing, there is something to be learned about it. And my mother always used to say before she passed was, um, you only make a mistake. It's only a mistake if you never learned anything from it. So if you've learned, then it's not a mistake. It's a lesson. So I think so many people are so quick to give up because people have treated them badly, not given them the space or the time of day. And all we all want at the end of the day is to be loved and to be accepted. Acceptance is a, a very thing that I've struggled with. I've not always been accepted. In fact, I'm mostly not accepted. <laughs> like, there's very few people who do actually accept me. People think, oh, you have this wonderful life. No, it, I would, like, my life is very simple, actually. Um, but it's, no, in no matter what situation you're in, it's to, it's to find that and to run with it. Because I also have all these questions. Why am I here? What are we doing on this planet? Why Why is this? Why is it? What does, what does this what is this thing even? <laughs> but yeah, you have to yeah. find something. And I believe that I'm on this plane, on this form of existence, in this, whatever this is, right now. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. Yeah. Here, right. 
Uh, have you have you read any of Stephen Hawking's work? Yeah. Yeah, you know where I'm I'm going to then. Have you read his? I can't remember the name of his book that he was released posthumously. But have you read the last mm-hmm. one in the series? Um, I I've gotten into the first couple of chapters. I haven't had a chance to finish it. No spoilers. Please. I won't spoil it for you then. There's something right at the end there that I think you'll recognise. Um, when yeah, it's very hard for me to talk about it without giving it away. But when I read it, I was like, oh, okay. It just made everything feel a bit. You know, even with me at my age, I feel as though I'm pretty much in control. You know, I work hard to be in control, you know, leading a balanced life and the like and following my muse, doing this sort of stuff, which I absolutely have to do. A bit like what you have to do with your music. I have to do this journalism pursuit. And I also have to play music too. There's the, the two things. But he says something toward the end. And what I can say without giving anything away is you'd think somebody like him, given what life had thrown at him with, was it muscular dystrophy? I think he had, I could be wrong. Um, mm. but with what he lived with, you think he'd have a chip on his shoulder? He'd be the one. He, of course he doesn't. And he, he, he talked, you know, he talks about the multiverse being what there was prior to the universe. Okay, so mm. matter did literally spring from nothing. And one of the more profound things, and he talks about this in general sense, so I'm not giving anything away that you're yet to come to, but I don't believe he believed that there was a possibility of a God. And... For me personally, I'm not an atheist at all. I believe in a higher consciousness and a power. I have to. I've got kids. I've seen the miracle of creation that way. you know. But it happened beyond that. I grew up as a fairly hardcore Catholic, actually. Believed in it completely. But it gave me a lot of comfort to think that there wasn't a God, to be honest with you. I'm not a nihilist. I just you know, I want to labour the point a little bit because I do believe that there, there is something beyond. But you know, the idea of God itself, even the very word, is a human construct. It's just you know things that we... It's something we've had to attribute something. Otherwise, up until the Magna Carta or what have you, there just would have been blind chaos, which there was for most of humanity's existence. But when, sorry, I'll go back to the point about Steve, Stephen Hawking, though, saying that he didn't believe there was a God or he uses, he goes into a lot more detail than I've just said there. But to me, that was like, oh, shit, so he's probably the smartest guy that ever existed. One of the smartest people that ever existed, at least anyway. And he can't find any proof of it either. And all of our constant questioning, as I can tell you and I both do, it basically, it's fine. We don't need to kind of do it as much anymore because this guy is who we can all relate to, who could have had a chip on his shoulder but didn't, but used his supreme intelligence to bring us some of these answers that we've all been striving for. Part of it's here. Part of it's here and the now. And that's one of the key reasons I like reading his stuff. For me, yeah, I... I I, I find a lot of um, resonance in, in all of that. I personally do believe in a higher power. I do believe in a God. I don't think it's anything that we can wrap our minds around properly. And I think there's always going to be an element of unknown. In, in fact, I, I know that being on that edge, like I've crossed lines um of conscious and unconscious when I was when I was very very ill and being in those states and 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 what I've experienced has given me a very different uh, perspective and I'd like to one day put it to paper when I can express it properly but I I believe in in God uh, um, whatever that is for whoever it is I've got my own opinions and and my own viewpoints and have come to the to the to the conclusion of I don't understand everything, but I know that one day I will, and I know that 
there's a part of me that understands for me personally why I'm here right now. How that's going to change and where that's going to go, I don't know. But I found the point when I was very, like, in a very terrible state. Mm. Um, I remember I wasn't sure if I was awake or asleep or whatever, but I remember um, speaking uh, uh, to a being or God or whatever you want to, something greater than I am. And that really changed my life. So I, I think we're silly if we think that this is all there is. I think we're dumb if we think that we're the smartest beings in the multiverse or the, you know, the whole, all of that. Um, but I think our definition of God is very man-made and our definition of religion is, is very man-made, uh, whatever that is, atheism or theism or like you want to be a Catholic or a Hindu or whatever, it doesn't really matter. I think there is something greater than us and I think no matter what I tell you or what anybody's told you or forced into because of um, culture or tradition, it's a lot of second-hand knowledge and a lot of second-hand word. You can tell me, hey, listen to this band, they're the best band ever. It's still your opinion and I then have to um, either accept it as fact or find out for myself. So my personal journey is I will never shove anything down anybody's throat as fact or this is how it is. It's different for everybody and everybody has a different thing. Um, I like to compare it to, to sight. Who is to say that my version of a color is exactly what you're seeing or how you're perceiving it? We don't actually know how you perceive something versus how I perceive something in that essence form, if that makes sense, in that in that fluid form. And I think the 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 concept of God and universe and creation or gods or whatever you want to believe. Um, is something that we're going to uh, struggle with until yeah. we, we move past this physical form. And to an extent, I've accepted a lot of that. I know that there is more. I don't think, I, I, I know for a fact, well, a fact in my life, <laughs> that this existence is part of an eternal journey, journey. whatever that is. Yeah. yeah. Um, with different influences of different uh, sizes, I suppose. Yeah, bloody religion, I tell you what, like the, the understanding of God needs to be dynamic. It shouldn't be static. You know, a book that was written 2,000 years ago in our case, you know, over the course of, uh, you know, from 2,000 years ago to 1,500 years ago being the Bible, the King James Bible, won't comment on the other religions, but you can probably hint at the one I'm probably getting at with uh, that basically wants to blast elements of it want to blast us back to the bloody Stone Age. Uh, not all of it, of course. I want to be clear about that. But you know, I mean, I mean, the thing is, when when a book says literally, read this and do and do not question. This this is part of where the problems come from. As I say, you know, our understanding of God, or let's just call it God force. I, think I, I prefer. I've always preferred that word because you know yeah. the, the whole idea of a of a Zeus like figure up um, in a golden throne. Uh, I know most people don't have that view, but, you know, that's the childish view that we're sort of imbued with, aren't we, when we sort of grow up and that there's some sort of judgment or damnation 
that occurs. I don't believe it. I haven't. I haven't believed in any of that, you know. But uh, so I've got. To, I've got to ask you. I'll make this my last question for you because, you know, the um, a lot of people think so-called psychedelics, um, particularly in the non-musician community, non-artist community, they just think they're for idiots or what have you. But something mm. like ayahuasca, which is sort of hints at some of those things that I think you're talking about when, when you were ill, there where you, you were almost in the company of things. You're, you you experienced things. And oh, I can't remember, is it Graham Hitchcock? He's done something like 64 trips mm. or something like that. And he's a very famous anthropologist and, and dives into, uh, into global prehistory, if you like. But I think there is an absolute role for psychedelics, mm. ayahuasca in particular, because people are just transformed and they're changed after that. Do you, do you agree with that opinion after that uh, conversation there about religion and God? Yeah, I think you need to experience life mm -hmm. for yourself. Um, I can tell you that dipping your toe in the ocean here in Cape Town is incredibly freezing and uh, you're toe will probably freeze off right now because it's really cold mm. but until you actually do that you don't you know like you have no point of reference so i can tell you all of these things and i can tell you read this do this and do this at this particular time of day and do that and do all of these things religion is man-made and it's made to to try to understand and try to control in terms of not necessarily like um, brainwashing, but in terms of, I'm scared, I'm, I'm fearful, so we, I need to understand this thing. If I can understand this thing, then it's not so scary. So this is my understanding. Now I'm gonna force you to understand it the way I understand it. I don't agree with that. But I think there is ways to explore um, spirituality uh, through, um, be it prayer through a meditation or whatever, like whatever word you want to put to it. Um, I, I don't, I don't like putting labels to things per se when it comes to politics or religion talk. Um, but I think at the end of the day, you need to figure out what it means to you, what a God figure or figures mean, what, life means what all of that is and if you find that through something like ayahuasca or, or, or such and it's in a responsible fashion and you're doing it for a self um, experience and a self journey um, and you feel it's going to do something and it's safe sure i suppose it's um it's a way to do it um i have experienced interesting things um visions and such in, in in hospital and through my recovery um, and I think there's a whole world to be found uh, through natural psychedelics and natural products and stuff like that I'm not one to condone like drug usage and all of that but there I think a lot of things have been like marijuana for example I think it's been put under a particular label for a long time as perhaps something negative but we're now seeing that there's a lot of positive effects and I think if something can make a positive impact in your life that's what you should pursue and uh, if it's the pursuit of understanding yourself and you're getting closer to to connection then yeah 
like I think there's so many cool ways to, to discover that. Hmm. Okay, before I let you go, I want you to tell everybody um, your music. So obviously you've got a Facebook page as I've been on there myself and I've listened hmm. to your music on Spotify too, so there's two. But where else can they reach out to you and connect with you? Absolutely any um, uh, of the major streaming platforms, it's available everywhere uh, and download platforms. Uh, social media, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, not so much, but um, I'm on there. <laughs> Instagram <laughs> is where I'm out the most. Uh, Twitter in South Africa is quite a strange thing and I've, I've never like managed to figure it out. And because I don't dance, don't look for me on TikTok, but uh, <laughs> not yet anyway. But the most, yeah, like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, that's where I'm at. My my website, RobinFerguson.com. Yep. Um, and then with awesome people like yourself and awesome podcasts, radio stations. And so, yeah. Yeah. Well, look, you're, you're a deep thinker and a supreme talent. I know you'll keep on doing what you're doing because it's in you and you're not going to stop for anybody or anything, I can tell. And that's a great thing. We're going to always be looking forward to your next new release or thereabouts. So, look, if you're cool with it, I'm certainly comfortable with everything we've spoken about. I just release it basically as is. If you've listened to any of my other podcasts before, I just I just put it out there and, you know, blabbermouth and all the rest of it, pick it up, so be it. You know, they do that. That's what they do, <laughs> you know. Um, but, look, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I admire your music a lot. I appreciate you being as open as what you've been and uh, sharing as much of your story with the listener as what you have. Thank you. This has been such an awesome journey. You've been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that interview subject was the extraordinary South African bass guitarist Robin Ferguson. Thanks so much for listening.